It is our privilege and joy to welcome to the Bema at this time uh, our rabbinic intern, Lily Schwarzman, who is going to share with us uh, words of Torah today. Lily, the Bema is yours. Shabbat Shalom. So great to be here again. When I was in ninth grade, I sat at a family member's wedding. It was in Toronto. And, oh, we've got, we've got some Canadians here. <laughs> I listened to a cousin who I'd never met before tell a story uh, that didn't leave a dry eye in the room, except for mine, because it wasn't told in English. <laughs> so later that day, I asked my grandparents to share the story with me, and it went something like this. I'll tell it in English. In 1945, a man named Jacob wandered the streets of his desolate town in the Ukraine, searching for family members after his liberation from Auschwitz, when a woman invited him into her house. The woman gave him a glass of milk and some food, and over the course of the next period of time, nursed him back to health, and then asked, do you remember me? Jacob responded, no, and she invited him to follow her into her basement where she took a large blanket and uncovered a mysterious object. The object was a Torah. She asked again, do you remember me? He said, no, and she said, I was your housemaid before the war, and when I saw your synagogue burnt down, I ran inside and I grabbed the Torah. Years later, it came time for Jacob, his wife, his daughter and son-in-law, and his grandson, my father, to leave Ukraine and emigrate to the US. The Torah barely made it through customs. I'm told that they took two boxes, two plank boxes, they stuck the Torah in the middle of the boxes and then melded the boxes together so that no one would be able to tell that something special was inside. I was immediately touched by the story of my family Torah that my grandparents told me. I asked, why did it take you until I was in ninth grade for you to tell me this story? To them, it actually felt irrelevant, not important, a reminder of a past they had escaped. But to me, it was fairly life-changing. It brought me closer to my past, closer to new family members, and closer to the experiences of my parents and grandparents, to my heritage, and to the Judaism lived out by my ancestors. When we tell stories, when we hear stories, when we participate in a story in the making, we each have individual and unique experiences. We all relate to stories differently. Our individual experience of a story can bring us closer to the storyteller, but it can also draw us further apart. Stories are incredibly important, yet our subjective read on any given story can also be quite dangerous. 
As the Joseph saga continues, Parshat Vayigash brings reunion between Joseph and his brothers. A reunion laden with family strife, sadness, confusion, and most of all, different sides to the same story. Judah, the same brother who, as we read just a few weeks ago, suggested that his brother Joseph be thrown into the pit, needs to return home to the land of Canaan with his brother, Benjamin. Judah appeals to Joseph's emotions through the telling of his own narrative, that if Judah returns to Canaan without Benjamin, his father would die in sorrow and in grief. Between Joseph and Judah, we see two different lived realities, two different stories, but we read it as the same narrative. Joseph knows he's standing in front of his brothers, but carries many negative memories associated with them. He was thrown into a pit. He was sold into slavery. He was imprisoned in Egypt and now had reached some success. On the other hand, Judah's controlled much of the Joseph narrative through deception, suggesting Joseph be sold into slavery and lying to his father about his whereabouts. Now we might posit that Judah feels some shame. He cannot again fathom failing his father, who he knows is close to death. We might imagine that after all Joseph had suffered at the hands of his brothers, forgiveness or reunion might be close to impossible. But our Torah actually tells a different story. When Judah approaches Joseph, invoking the impending death of their father, Jacob, Joseph could no longer control his emotions. He had to reveal his true identity. He sobbed so loud that we're told the whole palace could hear. Joseph asked, is my father still alive? But Joseph had already been told many times that his father was still alive. Commentator Clea Carr suggests a few reasons for Joseph questioning the obvious. On the one hand, Joseph, though giving his brothers another chance, could have thought that his brothers were lying about their father being alive. Why wouldn't they? They had done many terrible things to him. So now that Joseph revealed himself by saying, you know who I really am, can you tell me the truth? Or it's possible that Joseph, wanting to spite his brothers, reminded them that Jacob was still his father, and his brothers caused Jacob a lot of suffering throughout Jacob's life. So he said, is my father, the one who you put through all of this, still alive? Ultimately, what Cleocar suggests is that Joseph's question, is my father still alive, could have been interpreted differently by the questioner, Joseph, and by the receivers, Joseph's brothers. The first version of Cleocar's comment could have been what Joseph thought, should I really trust my brothers? And the second version of Cleocar's comment could have been what his brothers thought. They might have interpreted Joseph's words based on their own guilt for the suffering they caused their father, assuming that Joseph 
might be spiteful, might want revenge. This is the essence of storytelling. A speaker's intended words and a listener's understanding of those words can paint two different pictures. And while those two pictures might suggest different stories, they're actually one and the same. They're both true. We can hold the nuance in both. And though this encounter held different meanings for Joseph than his brothers, it's still an encounter that ultimately brought some healing, it brought some family reunion and peace because Joseph saw past the trauma that plagued his life caused by his brothers. Rabbi Shefa Gold recounts the depth and complexity of this moment by saying, Joseph steps out from behind this mask of power, the mask of false self, and weeps out loud. These are the tears of profound relief and of love unbound. This moment of expansion is the result of Joseph's embrace of a paradox. Two seemingly contradictory truths live within Joseph. And when he can hold them both, then the true self is set free. A few summers after I heard the story of my family Torah, I traveled to Israel for the first time on USY pilgrimage. My family told me that our Torah now lived in Jerusalem. I was so excited to get to Jerusalem and reach out to a cousin who I had never met because I knew that he cared for the Torah. I sent him an email and he kindly responded, sure, Lily, please come to our apartment and I'll show you the Torah. But I must ask you, why do you want to see it? When I met him and his family, they were equally confused. This Torah sat at the very top of a high bookshelf. And they said, why do you want to see this thing that sits all the way at the top of our bookshelf? There's nobody who wants to fix it. It's time for it to be buried. We just haven't had the time to think about how to do it. The Torah I found remarkable and incredible was the same Torah that other families of mine worked hard to rescue from Russia, to get to Los Angeles, to ultimately get to Jerusalem to be fixed, and had exhausted those, my new cousins, who worked tirelessly to save it. The same Torah that I felt brought me so close to the experiences of my parents, my grandparents, and my great-grandparents caused stress. It caused family strife, and it caused grief. It's only now, as I reflect back on this moment of my life in light of the Joseph story, in light of my many years of rabbinical school education, that I understand that there can be two truths to the same story, and both truths of my family Torah is true. An illuminating aspect of my Jewish journey is a recall of hardship of my family's life and their Jewish journey. The next few times I visited Israel, these particular cousins were not ones I continued to visit, even though I had tried. The truth of the journey of this family Torah can never be as painful to me. I didn't travel alongside it. I just came to visit it at the top of the bookshelf. But my truth, that it brings me strength and hope, is still and will always be a vital part of my story. In Joseph's story, 
the moment of revealing himself to his brothers could be a moment of vengeance, but to Joseph, it was a moment of forgiveness. And for us, we continue to live in an ever-complicated world of multiplicities of opinions. And I hope that we can strive to find nuance in the same stories we tell with different views that all hold to be true. Shabbat Shalom.